ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <coughs> I'd like to begin this evening in this number 18, the 18th lecture in our series of lectures concerning Al-Aqeed Al-Islamiyyah from the book Al-Lum'at Al-Itiqad Al-Hadi Ila Sabeel Al-Rashad by Imam Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Qudama Rahimahullah Just briefly to mention the points which we discussed in last week's lecture we mentioned the explanation of point number 63 in which Imam ibn Qudama Rahimahullah discusses some of the matters related to the next life to the day of resurrection or the day of judgment and he says in that point والصراط حق يجوزه الأبرار ويزل عنه الفجار that الصراط the bridge it is true it is a reality and it is that which would be crossed over يعني the crossing over the hellfire by الأبرار the righteous the good people and as for the fujjar, the evil and wicked they will fall from the sirat into the hellfire and here just briefly the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sali al-Uthaymeen Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him discussed in the sharh of sirat the linguistic and technical meaning of sirat and he said that the linguistic meaning of sirat is the tariq or the way and the technical meaning, it means the bridge which is extended over the hellfire so that the people who are going to enter the paradise may cross over the hellfire to enter the paradise. And this sirat or this bridge is confirmed in the Quran as well as in the authentic sunnah and the sayings of the early generations of the Muslims. Also, we mentioned briefly the discussion or the difference of opinion of some of the scholars concerning al-wurud that's mentioned in the Quran whether or not it means that the people that everyone who crossed over the sirat would actually go into the hellfire or it means that they would pass over it and we said that both of the opinions are applicable those that everyone would enter the hellfire it means the disbelievers that all of the disbelievers, no one of them would cross over the sirat except they would fall into the hellfire. As for the believers, 
Some of them will pass over without entering the hellfire, while others, due to their sins or their actions in this world, they may fall into hellfire and be punished for some time as Allah wills, and then due to their tawheed, because they died on tawheed, will somebody take the papers from there? Then they would be released eventually from the hellfire and into the paradise. Also, the Shaykh discussed the description of Al-Sirat, and he said that it was a bridge that had clamps or hooks on it that would grab the people as they fell off and that it was slippery and also that it was thin as a, as a strain of hair and sharp as the sharpness of a sword and all of these he mentioned the hadith concerning them and then he also discussed how the people would cross over the sirat the speed at which the people would cross some of them would cross at the speed of the blinking of an eye some at the speed of lightning, some at the speed of a strong wind, and others like fast horses or camels. And some of them would go across crawling, and some, the last of the ones who would pass over, would pass over like a person who was being dragged over the bridge. Some of the people would cross over and escape without any harm, and some, some harm would be caused to them, but they would cross over the bridge. In the next point, Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah mentioned point number 64 وَيَشْفَعَ نَبِيُّنَا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارِ مِنْ أُمَّتِهِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكَبَائِرِ That our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he would intercede he would make intercession for those who would enter the fire from his ummah from the Muslims those of the Ahl al-Kabair those of the people who committed major sins who died having committed major sins from which they didn't repent from. Because those who repented sincerely, Allah accepts their repentance and they wouldn't be held account. But those who died without repenting, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He may punish them justly or He may forgive them if He wills. So He would intercede for those of the people who committed major sins. فَيَخْرُجُونَ بِشَفَاعَتِهِ بَعْدَمَا اِحْتَرَقُوا وَصَارُوا فَهْمًا وَحَمَمًا فَيَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ بِشَفَاعَتِهِ Then those people who were from amongst the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, who died on Tawheed but died having committed sins, major sins from which they didn't repent they would come out due to his intercession after they were burned up like coals or, or, or charcoal or ashes and then they would enter the paradise by the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad and finally he mentioned in point number 65 وَلِسَائِرْ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمَلَائِكَ شَفَاعَاتِ and he mentions the proof of this, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 28. He said that also the remaining prophets and as well the believers, the mu'mineen and the angels would also have a means of intercession. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anbiya that they would not intercede, yani no one would be able to intercede except those whom Allah is pleased with. Except the one who Allah is pleased with, he is the only one who would be allowed to intercede. And likewise, he would only be allowed to intercede for one whom Allah is pleased with. And they stand in awe for fear of him. Yani those who would intercede, this would be their condition that they would be standing in awe and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally he said in point number 66 concerning a shafa'a, وَلَا تَنْفَعُ الْكَافِرُ 
that the disbeliever, the pagan disbelievers, they would not get any benefit. There would be no benefit for them from the intercession of those who could intercede. Whether from amongst the prophets, the angels, or the believers, if anyone wanted to intercede for the disbelievers, no disbeliever would benefit from the intercession of anyone who would want to intercede for them. And here the Shaykh mentions in brief the definition, linguistic definition of a shafa. It means to make that which is odd even, to make an odd number even. And the technical meaning, it means to intercede or to speak up for someone on their behalf in order to gain some benefit for them or to prevent some harm from coming to them. And then he said that a shafa'ah on the day of resurrection is of two types, al-khasa and al-ama. The khasa is that which is special for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu al-ama is that which would be for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu as well as others besides amongst the prophets, the angels and the believers. And then he said that the al-khasa from amongst that which is khas or special, particular and exclusive for the Prophet ﷺ would be al-shafa'ah, al-uzma or the great intercession at the time when all the people would be gathered for resurrection, for the judgment and it would be a terrible scene and the people would be in fear and they would go to the various prophets from Adam salam to Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa salam uh, and all of them would excuse themselves until they finally would go to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ and he would be allowed by the permission of Allah to intercede in order for the judgment to begin. This type of intercession is exclusive for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and also uh, from amongst uh, and then he said the general intercession that is Aam it is the intercession which other Prophets would participate in and as well the angels and the believers it is the intercession for the people who committed major sins that the other Prophets as well as the angels and the believers would be allowed by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to intercede for some of the people who are in hellfire due to their commission of major sins and not repenting from them. This intercession is general. It is for the Prophet as well as uh, others besides him. This is the end of what we mentioned except that uh, he mentioned here that there were some groups who had deviated from the madhab or the position of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah that is the Mu'tazila and the Khawarij who didn't accept this general intercession for the people who committed major sins due to their belief, their false belief that the people who committed major sins were to be in the hellfire eternally. And if they believed, the Khawarij believed that the person who committed major sin is a kafir and he would be in hellfire forever. And the Mu'tazila had a similar belief, except that they said the one who commits major sins is not a believer nor a kafir, but he is in between the two. In the end, he would be in the hellfire forever, like the Khawarij said. So their opinion is basically the same. And the numerous hadith and mutawatir that have been reported authentically from the Prophet ﷺ prove their opinion to be wrong. And finally, the Shaykh says that there are two conditions for shafa'ah, one of them that there is no shafa'ah except by permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is as mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 255, Who is it that can intercede in, the, in His presence, in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except by His permission? And of course we said, who can intercede? This is a question form, but the meaning of it is negation, that no one can intercede in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by His permission. And the second condition is that 
the pleasure of Allah. It is the pleasure of Allah that no one can intercede except the one who Allah is pleased with or the one or no one can intercede for anyone except whom Allah is pleased with. As we mentioned from Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 28. And finally the Shaykh closes with the last point of Imam Ibn Qudama that no intercession would benefit the disbelievers and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mudathir verse 48 فَمَا تَنْفَعُهُمْ شَفَاعَةُ الشَّافِعِينَ that the intercession of those who could intercede would not benefit them and this is in reference to the kafirs. The exception to this is the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for his uncle Abu Talib who he was allowed, he would be allowed to intercede for him not for him to come out of the hellfire but simply that uh, his punishment would be reduced his punishment would be reduced. And this is one type of intercession, reduction of the punishment of those who are in the hellfire, which is also an exclusive type of intercession for the Prophet Muhammad And some of the scholars mention the various types of intercession. And as we discussed previously in our explanation of Al-Aqidah, Al-Tahawiyah, in which Imam Al-Tahawi mentions the subject of intercession and here some of the scholars mention the various types of intercession and in the explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah eight types of intercession are mentioned one of them is general for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the others and that is the intercession for the people who committed major sins and the others are exclusive for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu from amongst them is the great intercession at the time when the people will be standing waiting for the judgment begin for, uh, to ask Allah to begin the judgment. The second of them is the intercession for the people whose good deeds and bad deeds are, are equal. So he will intercede for them to enter paradise. Yani yeah, their deeds will be equal. Their balance will be equal and he will intercede for them to turn the scale on their good side and allow them to enter the paradise. The third of them is the intercession for another group of people who had been ordered to enter the fire. They were supposed to enter the fire and he would intercede for them to prevent them from entering the fire so they would not enter it. Also, another type would be an intercession for the raising of the ranks of those people who would be in paradise, but their station in paradise would be raised up beyond what they would have reached due to their deeds. And another type of intercession is the intercession for the people uh, to be entered into paradise without an account. Those who would enter the paradise without any account being taken of them. Uh, they would enter the paradise in this way by intercession from the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And the next type is intercession of lightening the punishment for those who deserve it. And this is the category under which the lightening or the reduction of the punishment of Abu Talib uh, comes under. The last type of intercession that is exclusive for the Prophet Muhammad is permission, is the intercession for permission to be granted for the people to enter the paradise. Yani for all the people, the believers of all of the previous nations, the followers of all the prophets who are going to enter paradise, there would be intercession from the Prophet Muhammad for the people to enter the paradise and he would be the first of the people to enter the paradise. So this is what we wanted to cover from the points from last week. And, and today, in today's lecture, we want to go on to the topic, uh, to the last topic related to the matters or those things that we are required to believe in, of the unseen matters that we are required to believe in, which have been reported to us by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And these are the matters that we have been discussing for the last few weeks. 
From amongst them are things of the past, history, that happened historically of the previous nations, and he informed us of those things. And from amongst those things is that which happened with the Prophet Musa when the angel of death came to him to take his life and he knocked out the eye of the angel of death. This is of reports of the things that happened in the previous nations. The Prophet ﷺ informed us of it and we are required to believe it. Of the things that will happen in the future are the things related to the signs of the judgment day. The signs of the judgment day such as the coming of Dajjal and the, uh, the Antichrist, the descending of Isa in the last days, the beast that would come forth from the earth, the rising of the sun from the west and so on. From amongst those signs, those of which are major and those of which are minor, of the things which are going to happen in the future, we are also required to believe in them. And from amongst the last of the things that Imam Ibn Qadama mentioned are the things related to death, the punishment in the grave, uh, the resurrection, the weighing of deeds, the scales, the books and such things. And the last of them that he mentions uh, in these last points is related to Al-Jannah wa In point number 67, Al-Imam Ibn Qudama rahimahullah says, Wal-Jannah wal-Nar makhluqatan la tafniyan. That the paradise and the hellfire are two created things. Two created things that will never cease to exist. Fal-Jannatu ma'wa awliyaihi. The paradise it is the final resting place of the awliya of Allah, the friends of Allah, those who have iman and taqwa. Wal-nar iqab, iqabun li-a'adaihi. And the hellfire, it is a punishment for his enemies, the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who disobeyed him and disobeyed his prophets and messengers. Wa-ahlu al-jannah fiha mukhalladun. And the people of the hellfire, they will be in it eternally, yani forever, they will never come out of it. And here Imam Ibn Qudama mentions the proof of this, uh, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Zukhruf chapter 43, verse 74 and 75, that verily the mujrimun, the, dis- the, enem- the criminals, the disbelievers, the pagans and the wrongdoers, that they will be in the punishment of the hellfire Khalidun يعني in it eternally forever never to come out of it لا يفتر عنهم وهم فيه مبلسون they will be in this condition and it will not be reduced it will not be lightened the punishment in the hellfire for them will not be reduced and it will not be lightened it will go on and on and on and they will be plagued or they will be plunged or thrown into destruction with regret and sorrow and despair. This will be the condition of the Mujrimun, the disbelievers, the pagan disbelievers. Here, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his explanation first discusses, and this, each of these points he discussed very briefly, they can be discussed in much more detail and need to be read about in more detail. He says, uh, the paradise and the hellfire. The linguistic meaning of Al-Jannah it is Al-Bustan, Al-Kathir, Al-Ashjar. The linguistic, literal meaning of Jannah, it means a garden that has many trees, a garden full of trees. The legal or technical meaning in Islam, it means the place or the home which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared in the next life for the muttaqeen, for the people of taqwa, the people who have taqwa, who have fear of Allah, piety and righteousness. 
It is the home in the next life which Allah has prepared for the muttaqeen, the righteous, the believers. As for the nar, linguistically he said the meaning of nar is known, it is ma'roof, it is the fire. Everyone knows what is a nar, it is fire. But the legal technical meaning in Islam, it means the place or the home which Allah has prepared in the next life for the kuffar, the kafirun. It is the place which Allah has prepared in the next life for the disbelievers, the pagan disbelievers. This is the technical meaning of an-nar, the home of the disbelievers in the next life which Allah has prepared for them. And here the shaykh says that these two created things are present and existing now. They are not something to be created in the future, but they are already created, they are already in existence. And one of the proofs of this, he says in Surah Al-Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 133, Yani yeah, that the paradise has already been prepared for the muttaqeen, for the people of taqwa. It has already been prepared. And as for the hellfire in Surah Al-Baqarah, a similar expression came in chapter 2, verse 24, That the hellfire has been prepared. It has already been prepared for the disbelievers. And here the Shaykh says that preparation, the meaning of this word, that preparation, it means that something has already been set up. It is ready. It doesn't have to be, uh, nothing has to be done, but it's already prepared and ready. And also, this is the first proof that the hellfire and the paradise already exist because Allah used the word that it is already prepared, that it is ready for them. That means it already exists. And another proof is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in a hadith reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim, rahimahumullah. He said sallallahu alayhi wa on the occasion when he performed the salat of khusuf, the salat of al-khusuf. And we studied this hadith in the fiqh hadith class when we talked about the prayer for the eclipse. On that occasion, in one of the hadith, it's reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ الْجَنَّةِ فَتَنَاوَلْتُ مِنْهَا عُنْقُودًا وَلَوْ أَخَذْتُهُ لَأَكَلْتُمْ مِنْهُ مَا بَقِيَتْ الدُّنْيَا وَرَأَيْتُ النَّارِ فَلَمْ أَرَى كَالْيَوْمِ مَنْظَرًا قَقْ أَفْضَعَ Minha. This hadith is reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. May Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said that I saw, the Prophet said that I saw in the paradise a bunch of grapes and I was intending to take a hold of it and if I had taken it you would have eaten from it as long as this world remained. Yani, it wouldn't have ended. You would have been eating from it until the end of this world. And also, I saw in the fire, or oh, I saw the fire, and I didn't see any sight until today more fearful or frightening or horrible than the sight of the hellfire. I have never seen anything more frightful or horrible than the sight of the hellfire. Then the Sheikh says, concerning the issue of whether or not the paradise and the hellfire will ever cease to exist. Yani, do they have a time period? Like this world, it has a time period. Though it lasted for a long, long time since Allah created the heavens and the earth. 
but they are not meant to last forever. Is it likewise for the paradise and the hellfire that at some point they would cease to exist but after thousands or millions of years or will they exist eternally? And here the Shaykh says that both the paradise and the hellfires, Al-Imam Al-Qudam said that they are both eternal, they will never cease to exist and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Bayna chapter 90, I don't know, I think 96 can someone check, verse 8 huh? 98, naam, khair. chapter 98, verse 8 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala جزاؤهم عند ربهم جنات عدن تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها أبدا this is the point of reference خالدين فيها أبدا that the reward of those who did good their reward with their Lord would be gardens of Eden underneath which rivers flow خالدين فيها أبدا and they would remain in it forever and ever and ever uh, the ayat concerning the eternal existence of the paradise are many they are many this is only one of them as for that which is related to the hellfire it has been mentioned in Surah An-Nisa in three places and from amongst them is the verse in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 168 and 169 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about those who believed and those who did injustice or wrongdoing إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَظَلَمُوا لَمْ يَكُنِ اللَّهُ لِيَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ وَلَا لِيَهْدِيَهُمْ طَرِيقًا إِلَّا طَرِيقًا جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا And again in this ayah, the end of the ayah is the point of reference خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا That verily those who disbelieve and do zulm, injustice or wrongdoing meaning kufr or shirk, the worst of it and other such wrong acts then Allah would never forgive them nor would Allah guide them to a way, yani to a right way those who continue to disbelieve and do injustice accept the way to the hellfire and they would abide in it forever also other verses concerning the eternal nature of the hellfire he mentions here from amongst them Surah Al-Ahzab chapter 33 verse 64 and 65 إن الله لعن الكافرين وأعد لهم سعيرا that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cursed the disbelievers and the la'an of Allah it means that Allah caused them to be far removed from his rahmah from his mercy so Allah cursed the disbelievers and he prepared for them a blazing fire خالدين فيها أبدا and they would remain in it forever. Also in Surah Al-Jinn chapter 72 verse 23 That verily those who disobeyed Allah and His Messenger that verily for such a person is the fire of hell to abide in it forever. And finally he mentions of the many ayats the ayat that Imam Ibn Khudama mentioned in his, in the text of the book from Surah Al-Zukhruf, chapter 43, verse 74 and 75. Concerning the place of the paradise and the hellfire, the Shaykh says that the Jannah, it is in the highest of high places. A'la illiyin. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mufassifun, chapter 83, verse 18, 
inna kitab al-abarari lafi illiyin that nay verily the record the book the record of deeds of the abrar the righteous those who do good deeds who do acts of obedience to Allah their book would be in illiyin and the other ayats concerning this the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues wa ma adraka ma illiyun kitabun marqum and what would make you know what is the illiyun it is a book that has been inscribed a book in which the deeds of the people are written in and the shaykh says the prophet sallallahu made clear what is the meaning of this in the hadith that is reported on the authority of al-bara ibn azib and it is an authentic hadith he said that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when discussing the fitna of the grave the test and the trial and the punishment in the grave he said in a lengthy hadith فيقول الله عز وجل اكتبوا كتاب عبدي في عليين وعيده إلى الأرض Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say write the record or the book of my servant meaning of the righteous servant the good people the believers write the record of my servant in عليين and then return him to the earth yani take him back down to earth to the grave where he is buried he would be taken up to the heavens and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say write his deeds in Illiyin that's a high place and then after that he would return back to his grave as for the hellfire he said that it is in the lowest of low places asfal safilin and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in surah al-mutaffifun chapter 83 verse 7 kalla inna kitab al-fujjari lafi sijjin nay verily the record of deeds or the book of the evil the sinners the wicked pagan disbelievers it will be in sijjin wama adraka ma sijjin kitabun marqum and what will make you know what is sijjin it is a book a register a book of the records of the deeds of the people and these people the evil and wicked people their record will be in sijjin the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in the same very previous hadith reported from al-bara ibn azib radiyallahu anhu he said that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would say and for that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say concerning the wicked or evil people he said fayaqulu allah ta'ala uktubu kitaba abdi fi sijjin fil ard as-sufla then allah the most high he would say right the record of my slave or my servant the evil one in sijjin in the lowest earth and in a very low place the lowest earth al-ard as-sufla the lowest earth so these are proofs that the paradise is in the highest of places and the hellfire is in the lowest of places concerning the people of paradise and hellfire the sheikh says that the people of al-jannah they are every believer and pious person the people of jannah ahlu jannah they are every mu'min and taqi every one who has iman and one who has taqwa and this is because they the people who have iman and taqwa they are the awliya of allah as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in another place that the awliya of allah are those who believe and those who have taqwa here the people who have iman and taqwa the people of jannah the prophet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the paradise would be for these people in surah ali imran chapter 3 verse 133 that the paradise he says ridat 
للمتقين. It has been prepared for the muttaqin, the people who have taqwa. And in another place in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, verse 21, he says, أُعِبْدَتْ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ That it has been prepared for those who have iman in Allah and His messengers. So these two verses are a proof that the people who the paradise has been prepared for are the people who have taqwa and the people who have iman and the people who have these two qualities taqwa and iman they are the awliya of Allah they are the ahl jannah as for the people of the hellfire it is every disbeliever and wretched person every kafir shaqi and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the hellfire in surah al-baqarah chapter 2 verse 24 that has been prepared for the disbelievers it has been prepared for the disbelievers so amongst the people of hellfire are all of those who disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the second characteristic of the people of hellfire are the wretched evil people as mentioned in Surah Tuhud uh, chapter 11 verse 106 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that from amongst those people from amongst the people humanity فَمِنْهُمْ شَقِيٌّ وَسَعِيدٌ That there are two groups of people, those who would be wretched. That is the people of the hellfire who would fall into the bad condition. And the Sa'id, the people who would be fortunate and blessed, the happy people, they are the people of paradise. Then he says concerning this, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ شَقُوا فَفِي النَّارِ So as for those who are wretched, evil wrongdoers, then they would be in the hellfire. So these are the characteristics of the people of hellfire the, those who disbelieve and the wretched ones who did evil and wrongdoing this is the end of the points that the Sheikh mentions concerning uh, the hellfire but just briefly I wanted to make some further comments and it is uh, from the statement of Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah in his book Al-Aqeed Al-Tahawiyah in that book he also mentioned a similar statement as did Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah and he says وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ لَا تَفْنَيَانِ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَبِيدَانِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى خَلَقَ الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارِ قَبْلَ الْخَلْقِ وَخَلَقَ لَهُمَا أَحْلًا فَمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْهُمْ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ فَضْلًا مِنْهُ وَمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْهُ إِلَى النَّارِ عَدْلًا مِنْهُ وَكُلٌّ يَعْمَلُ بِمَا قَدْ فُرِغَ لَهُ وَصَائِرٌ إِلَى مَا خُلِقَ لَهُ that the Jannah and the Paradise are two created entities they will never cease to exist they will never go out of existence for verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the Jannah and the Nar before he created the creation and he created for both of these places the Jannah and the Nar people yani he created the people for them so whoever he wills from amongst them will go to the Paradise and this is Fadlan Minhu it is from Allah's favor, Allah's bounty. No one would enter paradise simply based on their deeds. But whoever entered paradise, it is the fadl of Allah. And whoever He willed would enter the hellfire, adlan minhu. And whoever entered the hellfire, it, whoever He willed to enter the hellfire, then it is adl. It is Allah's justice. Not because of any injustice, but justly, due to their own deeds, they would enter the paradise. And this is the justice of Allah. And every one of them would do the deeds that they have been created for and they would be going on towards that which they have been created for concerning this point Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah may Allah have mercy on him he said concerning the statement of Al-Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah la tafnayan abadan wa la tabidan 
that the paradise and the hellfire they will never cease to exist for a lot of existence he said no Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani said no that the hellfire in the next life is two fires this is an issue which the Sheikh didn't discuss in this commentary and it is one of the issues of importance about which the people differed know that the hellfire in the next life is two fires there's a fire that would cease to exist after some time and there is a fire that would continue to exist forever it would never stop the first of those two fires it is the fire of the disobedient sinful ones from amongst the Muslims yani the disobedient sinful believers who Allah didn't forgive then they may be punished in a fire that would not be eternal they would come out of it eventually as for the other fire it is the fire of the disbelievers and the mushrikeen the pagan disbelievers and this one is the one that would never cease to exist. This is a summary of what Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned in one of his books and this is the truth about which there is no doubt and it is the combination of the evidences which seem to suggest that the hellfire is eternal and other evidences which seem to suggest that it's not eternal. The summary or the yani, reconciliation of these two points is that there is a fire for the believers who committed sins and who were punished for it because they didn't repent in this life and Allah didn't forgive them then they will be punished justly and they will come out of that fire it would not be eternal and there is a fire for the pagan disbelievers the people who died on kufr and shirk and that fire is the fire that is eternal and he mentions yeah, I mean, some other points related to this but this is the important point that we wanted to mention concerning it the next point of Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah is point number 68 and it is also related to the matters of the next life the events that would take place in the next life he says وَيُؤْتَى بِالْمَوْتِ فِي سُورَةِ كَبْشٍ أَمْلَحْ فَيُذْبَحْ بَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ ثُمَّ يُقَالْ يَا أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ خُلُودٌ وَلَا مَوْتِ وَيَا أَهْلَ النَّارِ خُلُودٌ Al-Imam al-Qudam rahimahullah says that death would be brought forth in the form of a black and white ram or as some of the people described it as a beautiful ram perhaps the more correct description as some of the scholars said is that it would be a black and white ram ram like a sheep a big sheep a ram then he said it would be brought forth in this form death would be brought forth in the form of a ram then it would be slaughtered, it would be killed in a place between the paradise and the hellfire in between the paradise and the hellfire then it would be said O oh people of Jannah Ya Ahl al-Jannah Khuludun wa la maut Eternity and no death Yani, you will live forever in paradise Eternity without death Death has been slaughtered, there is no more death Wa Ya Ahl al-Nar and O oh people of the hellfire Khuludun wa la maut Eternity and no death. Yani they would be eternally in the hellfire, never to come out. They would not die in it. They would be in the hellfire forever. Here, Sheikh Muhammad, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, says that the definition of al maut it means the ceasing of life. Yani when the, the life ends, this is what we mean by al maut. And every person has to die every person will taste of death and it is a matter it is something that death is not something that has physical form that you can 
see or touch or smell. It is not something that has physical form, but it is, yani, uh, it is a reality without physical form. It is not something that one can see, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day, He would make it into the form of something that has a body, that has a body which can be seen. He would give it a shape, the shape of a ram, so that it will be seen. And on that occasion, in front of the people, it will be slaughtered between the paradise and the hellfire. And this is based on the hadith of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, radiallahu anhu, that hadith reported by al-Bukhari. And he says here, in that hadith, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that yu'ata bil mawti kahiyyati kabsh amlah that death will be brought forth in the shape or form of a black and white ram fayunadi munadiyan ahl al-jannah then a caller will call out to the people of paradise fayashra'ibuna wa yanzuruna fayakulu هَلْ تَعْرِفُونَ هَذَا فَيَقُولُونَ نَعْمْ هَذَا الْمَوْتِ يعني The caller will call out to the people of paradise and they would stretch forth their necks looking carefully and then it will be said Do you all know this? Do you know what this is? The ram that will be placed between the paradise and the hellfire and they would say yes It is death وَكُلُّهُمْ قَدْ رَآهُ And all of them would have seen that ram. They would have seen it and Allah would make them to know that it is death. And they would know what it is. ثُمَّ يُنَادِي يَا أَهْلَ النَّارِ فَيَشْرَئِبُّونَ وَيَنْظُرُونَ فَيَقُولُوا هَلْ تَعْرِفُونَ هَذَا فَيَقُولُونَ نَعَمْ هَذَا الْمَوْتِ And then the caller would call out all people of hellfire and they would also stretch forth their necks. And they would be looking carefully to see what are they being called for? And it will be said, Do you know what is this? They will say, Yes, it is death. وَكُلُّهُمْ قَدْ رَآهُ And all of them would have seen it. Yani all of the people of the paradise and all of the people of the hellfire would have seen the ram, the death in the shape of a ram. فَيُذْبَحْ ثَمَّ يَقُولُ يَا أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ خُلُودٌ فَلَا مَوْتٌ وَيَا أَهْلَ النَّارِ خُلُودٌ فَلَا مَوْتٌ Then it will be said, it will be slaughtered and it will be said, O people of paradise, eternity, and there is no death. And the people, it will be said, O people of hellfire, eternity without death. Then the Prophet ﷺ read this verse from Surah Maryam, chapter 19, verse 39. Then, after mentioning this statement that this would take place, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this verse from the Qur'an, which is in reference to that particular occasion, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him, or ordered them, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ Warn them of the day of al-hasra, the day of grief, sorrow and regret. The day when the people, when the reality of the matter would be clear to them, and it would be a day of regret for the disbelievers, a day of sorrow, a day of grief. Because now the reality will become clear that they are going to be in the hellfire and it will be forever. There is no death. It is forever, eternal. And the matter would have been decided. While they had been unmindful, careless. They had been inattentive while they were in this world. 
to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the call of the Prophet and the people who called them to the way of Allah to obey Allah and to avoid his prohibitions they would have been unmindful and careless and they did not believe on that day the people who were in ghafla the disbelievers who didn't pay any mind in this world on that day the matter would become clear for them it would be Yawmul Hasra the day of regret and sorrow and grief this hadith was mentioned by Imam al-Bukhari uh, and a similar hadith has also been mentioned uh, concerning the description of paradise and hellfire on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar also in the Sahih of al-Bukhari the first hadith was reported from Abu Sayyid al-Khudri and the second similar narration was reported by Abdullah ibn Umar may Allah be pleased with them all this is the end of what Imam al-Qudama mentioned concerning having faith in everything which the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has reported to us. And the matters related to those things which he has reported to us, the unseen matters, having faith in those things, whether of the past or of the future, are many, more than what he has mentioned here. These are some of the important things which have been mentioned. In the next chapter, it is the chapter concerning Hukuk and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ashabihi, the rights of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companions. The rights, those things that he is entitled to. Those things that have been given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first statement Imam Al-Qudam rahimahullah mentioned point number sixty-nine wa Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam Khatim al-Nabiyyin And he is the seal of the Prophet Wa Sayyid al-Mursaleen He is the master of the messengers He is the seal of the Prophet And he is the master, the leader of the messengers Who have been sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala With a message La yasihu imanu abdin Hatta yu'mina bi risalatihi And the iman of any person Would never be correct No one's iman Faith would be correct until they believe in the message, the risala that was sent by Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the last of the prophets and messengers. وَيَشْحَدْ بِنُبُوَّتِهِ Nor would his demand be correct or accepted until he testifies to the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he is both a messenger and a prophet. وَلَا يَقْضَى بَيْنَ النَّاسِ فِي الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَّا بِشَفَاعَتِهِ and of resurrection except after the intercession or shafa'ah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani the people will be standing on the mawqif, the place of gathering, waiting for the judgment to begin, but it would not begin until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to intercede with the great intercession. وَلَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ أُمَّةٌ إِلَّا بَعْدَ دُخُولُ أُمَّتِهِ And no nation the followers of no prophet would enter the paradise until after the entry of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They would be the first ummah to enter the paradise. No one would enter until after the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. All of these are the exclusive, the any special favors that have been given to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Also, in point number 70, Imam al-Khudam rahimahullah says, Concerning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that he is sahib liwa al hamd, 
that he is the one, the companion or the owner of the flag of praise, the banner of praise, والمقام المحمود and the praiseworthy station, the praiseworthy station, والحوض المورود and the fountain or the pond, the drinking place that the people would come to to drink from, to quench their thirst from the thirst of the standing on Yom Qiyamah. وَهُوَ إِمَامٍ النَّبِيِّينَ وَخَطِيبُهُمْ And he is also the Imam and the leader of all prophets and their spokesman, the Khatib, the one who speaks for them. وَصَاحِبْ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ And he is the one who would possess the, their shafa'ah or their intercession. أُمَّتُهُ خَيْرُ الْأُمَمْ And his followers, his ummah or his nation is the best of nations. وَأَصْحَابُهُ خَيْرُ أَصْحَابِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّلَامِ and his companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they are the best of the companions of any prophet. May Allah's peace be upon them all. And his companions are the best of the companions of all prophets. Here, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, Hafizullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, says, point number one, the best of creation, the best of Allah's creation in front of Allah is ar-rusul, the messengers. The best of creation are the messengers. Then, as-siddiqoon, the truthful, those who are fast, who hasten to testify to the truth of what the Prophet came with. Like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who was quick to testify and to affirm whatever the Prophet informed them of. Then, as-shuhada, the martyrs who died fighting in jihad in the land, the ranks of the Muslims against the disbelievers. Then as-sarihun, then the righteous. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned these stages or these degrees in His book, in His saying in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 69, وَمَن يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ وَحَسُنَا أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا that whoever, whoever obeys Allah and the Messenger, this is the condition for success, whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger. This is the condition for success. success. Whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, then these will be with those whom Allah's favor is upon. Those whom Allah's favor is upon, from amongst the Prophets and the uh, truthful, those who are first and foremost to believe, the martyrs and the righteous. And how excellent are these as companions, yani the prophets and the uh, truthful, the martyrs and the righteous. So the best of all of the creation are the messengers, then the prophets, then the truthful, then the martyrs, then the righteous. And the best of the messengers, the next point the Shaykh says, that the best of the messengers are ulul azm, those who had firm Yani, uh, determination, who were firmly, firm in their determination in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are five Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam yani these five, Noah and Abraham, Moses, Jesus and Muhammad may peace be upon them all they are the five yani, uh, firmly uh, resolved prophets, those who have firm re- re- resolution and determination. 
And they have been mentioned in two places in the book of Allah. One of them is in Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 7. The saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ مِيثَاقَهُمْ And remember when we took the covenant from the prophets, the covenant from the prophets, وَمِنْكَ and from you, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Remember when we took the covenant from the prophets and from you. Here specifically it's referring to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Jesus the son of Mary this is the first proof of that these five prophets are the foremost of the prophets and the second is in Surah Shura chapter 42 verse 13 the saying of Allah Taala, that we have legislated or ordained for you as a deen that which we have ordained for Nuh and that which we have revealed to you meaning the Prophet Muhammad وَمَا وَصَّيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى And that which we have ordained for Abraham, Moses and Isa salam. So here again in this ayat, the Prophets are mentioned Nuh and Ibrahim and Musa and Isa and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They are Ulul Azm, the firmly resolved Prophets. Here the third point, the Shaykh mentions the best of those five, the best of creation are the messengers and Prophets and the best of them are these five and the best of those five is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam based on his saying in the authentic hadith muttafaqun alayh reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said ana sayyid al-nas yawm al-qiyamah that I am the leader or the master of all of humanity on the day of resurrection yani if all of humanity without exception he will be the leader or the master of the people and also another proof the Shaykh mentions of his superiority and preference over the other prophets is the fact that they followed him in prayer on the night of the Mi'raj. Uh, the Prophet Muhammad when he went when he was taken to Jerusalem in the night journey, he led the prophets and messengers in prayer as their leader. This is the proof of his superiority and preference over the others. Then after him of those five, the second Preferable of them is Ibrahim السلام, because he is the father of prophets and his being or his creed it is the origin or the or the yani, asal of all of the creeds. Yani Ibrahim السلام, is considered the father of monotheism, the father of Tawheed. He was the one who established the Tawheed and all the other the others came in his line. Then Musa السلام, because he is the best of the prophets of Bani Israel and his law, his Sharia, it was the basis or the source of the laws of the other prophets of Bani Israel who came after him. And then Nuh and Isa, Noah and Jesus, السلام, they, the Shaykh says that there is no yani, firm uh, proofs of the preference of which of them is preferable over the other, both of them have special characteristics. So here, the summary of this point is that the best of the five uh, special prophets, Ulul Azm, they are, it is Muhammad sallallahu and then Ibrahim and then Musa and then between the two, 
Nuh and Isa, he didn't make any preference. Here the Shaykh uh, says in the end of his commentary concerning this point, the khafais of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu or the special characteristics that Imam Ibn Qudama has mentioned, and there are more than this, but the ones that he mentioned in the text of the book, here the Shaykh mentions the proofs for each of these special characteristics of the Prophet Muhammad He has many special characteristics, but those with the, which the author has mentioned, the first of them is Khatim al Nabiyin, that he is the seal of the Prophet, and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 40. مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ That Muhammad وسلم, he is not the father of any of your men but he is the messenger of Allah and he is the Khatim al-Nabiyin, the seal of the Prophet. As far as him being the master or the leader of the messengers, the proof of this was mentioned already in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in which he said that he is the master of all of humanity on the day of resurrection. Also, the third point that the Iman of no one would be correct or accepted or complete until they believe in the message or the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad <coughs> And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 65, فَلَا وَرَبِّكْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِيمَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ He said, I swear by your Lord. No, I swear by your Lord. <coughs> لا يؤمنون. No one will believe until they make you a judge in what is between them. So here, no, the iman of every person is uh, based upon or subject to them accepting the Prophet Muhammad as the final judge. Also, uh, the fact that the Prophet Muhammad has been sent to the whole of humanity while the other Prophets, every one of them was sent to a particular people. Everyone sent only to their own people while he was sent to all of humanity. The point number four, that the judging between the people would not, not take place until the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad we already mentioned this, under the subject of al-Shafa'a, the al-Shafa'a al-Uzma, the great intercession. Point number five, uh, that his followers, his ummah, would be the first ones to enter the paradise, and this is based on the generality of the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the hadith, which we mentioned previously in the lecture last week. Nahnu al-akhiruna as-sabiquna yom al-qiyamah. That we are the last nation who yani, was sent to the earth, but we are the first on the day of resurrection, and yani, we will be the first people, and we will be in the front lines of the people on the day of resurrection. Also concerning the fact that he is the one who would have the banner or the flag of Alhamd, Liwa Alhamd, uh, he would be carrying the banner of praise on Yawm Qiyamah, uh, and all of the people who praise will be under his banner. This is based on the hadith reported in At-Tirmidhi, and it is an authentic hadith, part of it is also reported in the Sahih of Muslim, on the authority of Abu Hurairah, but the whole of this hadith, it's sahih, the complete narration of it is reported in the Sunnah of At-Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Sa'id al-Qudri that the Prophet said, Ana Sayyid, Sayyid, Waladi Adam, Yawm al-Qiyamah, Wala Fakhr. That I am the master of all of the children of Adam on the day of resurrection. The master of them all, and I am not saying this out of pride. 
وبيدي لواء الحمد and in my hand will be the flag or the banner of praise ولا فقر and this is something a statement not set out of pride or boasting وما من نبي يومئذ آدم فمن سواه إلا تحت لوائي and there would be no prophet on that day including Adam as well as the other prophets beside him except that they would be under my flag and this hadith is also a proof that Adam is a prophet he said there is no prophet not Adam or anyone beside him except they would be under my banner that means all of the prophets would be under this banner liwa alhamd the banner of praise that would be carried by the prophet Muhammad sallallahu and I'm the first one that the earth will be opened up for coming out on the resurrection and this is not said out of pride. This hadith is sahih and it was mentioned by a number of scholars and part of it is recorded in the sahih of Muslim with the wording أنا سيد ولد آدم يوم القيامة وأول من ينشق عنه القبر وأول شافع وأول مشفع that I am the master of all of the children of Adam on the day of resurrection I am the first one that will be the grave will be opened up for and I am the first one who would uh, intercede and who intercession will be allowed for and the point number seven that he is the one who owns or would be the possessor of al-maqam al-mahmud the praiseworthy station or praiseworthy status it means that it is the works or the deeds for which he would be praised by the Creator, Al-Khalif, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as the makhluk, all of creation, they would praise Him for His deeds. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 79, that perhaps it may be, and it is in fact the reality, that you will be raised up, that your Lord will raise you up to this praiseworthy station maqam al-mahmuda it is a station of praise and glory some some of the scholars said that one of its meaning is that he would have the highest degree in paradise as recorded in the authentic hadith from the prophet and one of them said in some of the hadith it mentions that this maqam mahmud it means the status of being the only one who would be allowed to intercede for the people at the time when they are standing waiting for the judgment to begin and hadith concerning both of these are reported authentically uh, in the sahih uh, <clears throat> In this high status or special station for the Prophet ﷺ, it is due to all of the special characteristics and favors that he would be given on Yom Qiyamah, including the intercession for the people at the time when they are waiting for the judgment to begin. The eighth point he said that he is the one who would have Al-Hawd Al-Mawrud, the fountain or the pond or the drinking place through, to which many, many, many people would come, all of his ummah would come to it. And the meaning here is that it is a great big haud with many many people coming to it as for uh, the mention of a haud simply it, it, it has, we, we mentioned previously when Imam ibn Qudama mentioned the haud that there is a haud or a fountain or a drinking place for every one of the prophets but here the meaning of it it means the great fountain or pond or pool or drinking place which would be greater than the fountain of all of the other prophets more people will come to it and it would be the fountain from which if anyone drunk they would never be thirsty again its water would flow from the river in paradise Al-Kawthar and so on which we mention in detail when we talked about the matter of Al-Hawd uh, the next point is that he would be the Imam of the prophets their spokesman 
and the, and the possessor of their intercession and this is based on a hadith reported by Ubay ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كُنْتُ إِمَامَ النَّبِيِّينَ On the day of resurrection I will be the Imam of the Prophet وَخَطِيبُهُمْ and their spokesman وَصَاحِبْ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ and the one who possessed the intercession غَيْرَ فَقْرَةِ and this is not out of boastfulness. This hadith is reported in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi who said that it was Hassan and it's also reported by Imam Ahmed and the Mustadrak of Al-Hakam, the Sunan of Ibn Majah and Al-Hakam said that the Isnad or chain of narrative of this hadith is Sahih and Imam Al-Zahabi rahimahullah agreed with him. And of the contemporary scholars, Shaykh Al-Albani rahimahullah also said that this hadith is Hassan. The final point of the characteristics, special characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ is that his ummah would be the best of the nations and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 110 كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ that you are the best ummah that have been raised up for the people out of all the previous nations of the prophets of the past you are the best of, of nations and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reason why in the continuation of that ayat uh, he said it is because ta'muruna bil ma'ruf wa tanhawna anil munkar wa tu'minuna billah it is because of commanding the good forbidding the wrong and having iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last proof of this is the saying of Allah in surah al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 47 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya bani israel udhkuru ni'mati allati an'amtu alaykum wa anni faddaltukum 'ala al-'alamin the shaykh says as for this ayat O Bani Israel, O children of Israel, mention my favor which I have favored you with, that I have given you preference over all of the nations. He said that this ayat, it means that they have been given preference over all of the nations in their time, yani in the past. As for after their time, the preference has been given to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the end of what we wanted to say. Uh, before closing, just the questions at the end of the handout that you should look at are the paradise and the hellfire already existing or to be created in the future? The paradise and the hellfire are already existing. Will either paradise or hellfire cease to exist at some time in the future? Neither of them will cease to exist, but they are eternal. Who are the people of paradise and who are the people of hellfire? The people of paradise are the people of iman and taqwa, the awliya of Allah. The people who obey Allah and do good deeds and the people of the hellfire are the disbelievers, the pagan disbelievers, the wretched people who disobey. Will al-maut or death seek to cease to exist at some time in the future and explain? Um, death, death will definitely cease to exist and it will cease to exist when? At the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it form in the shape of a ram and place it between the paradise and the hellfire and it will be slaughtered, it will be put to death and it will be announced to the people of paradise and the people of hellfire that there is now khulud, eternity, walamaut, and there will be no more death. Mention some of the khasayas or distinctions of the Prophet ﷺ in his ummah, and there are many from amongst them that he is the Imam of the Prophets and the leader of the messengers, and he is the one who would have the liwa al-hamd, the, the banner of praise, uh, and so on, from amongst those characteristics which we just mentioned. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka. If there any comments or questions or corrections after the event, inshallah, take five minutes.
We can't find the seat. Inshallah, sisters, please uh, remember to take attendance, those who are present. Naam, fadla. Naam, how long will the Day of Judgment last? Well, Naam. The time frame in the next life, obviously, is not the same time frame that we are dealing with now. Uh, but the important thing, there are some proofs that the actual judgment itself, the judging of the people's deeds, though it may be an, an uh, unimaginable number of people from the first to the last, the first people who came on this earth until the last day, but there are proofs that this judgment will take place so quickly yani, that you can hardly imagine that it had actually taken place. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His actions will not yani, be subjected to the framework of the actions of the human beings and the time frame in the next life also will not be like the time frame of now. Uh, as, as for the standing, waiting for the judgment, it will be some time. How long it will be, I'm not aware that there's any indication, but from the descriptions in the various hadith and the descriptions in the Quran of how the day of resurrection would be, we know that it will be a frightful time and, uh, oh, I think he is. We know that it will be a frightful time and it will be, yani, it will seem as though it's very long due to the fright and horror of the day. But actually how long it will be, there doesn't appear to be any actual indication of it, Allahu Alam. But in any case, all of these things will take place uh, rapidly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of yani, disposing of these matters quickly and easily without any time-consuming factor. Now, what is the difference between Nabi or Rasul? Allahu Alam. <laughs> the scholars have many opinions concerning the difference between Nabi and Rasul. Amongst those opinions, some of them said that a Nabi, a Prophet, is the one who uh, followed the legislation or the Sharia of a previous uh, Prophet who came before him. And uh, some said that the difference is that uh, a Nabi receives revelation, but is not, necess not necessarily commissioned to deliver it, whereas the Messenger is sent to deliver the message to the people. Uh, the opinions of the scholars concerning this actually don't have any clear distinctive basis in the Quran or Sunnah and for this reason some of the scholars said that those various opinions are ijtihad of the scholars but the clear distinction between a prophet and a messenger uh, is, not, um, yani, is not something that we can say with certainty at least uh, perhaps the closest to being correct, and Allah knows best, is that, as some of the scholars said, that uh, whoever received the revelation is considered to be a prophet. But they may not necessarily have been sent to any nation. Therefore, they may not be considered as a messenger. Whereas everyone who is sent out to a nation to deliver a message has two characteristics. One, receiving revelation, nubuwa and also being sent to a people, Risala. And so some of the scholars said that the Rasul is more comprehensive. Every uh, Rasul is also a prophet. 
But not every prophet is also a Rasul. This is the opinion of some of the scholars. Perhaps it's closer than the other opinions, but it's not necessarily yani, conclusive. Yani, everyone who received the revelation, uh, who received the revelation is considered a prophet. That's Nubuwa. Naba, he received news, information from Allah. But as for the one who is sent out to a nation, this is Risala, Rasul or Messenger. Uh, this is a second characteristic. Yani receiving some revelation and then being called upon to deliver it. So that every messenger is already a prophet. But not every prophet is a messenger. This is one of the opinions. And as I said, there doesn't seem to be any really strong, clear, decisive or conclusive proof concerning these opinions. Allah knows best. Now, oh, question from the sisters. Uh, what is the ruling about computer software company shares shares Allah, I don't know anything about computer software company shares but I imagine if it's a computer company that's uh, dealing with lawful things then having shares in it is lawful if it's dealing in haram things then having shares in it is haram yani doing business having shares in a business is lawful but it depends on what the business they're, what they're doing in the business software computer software as far as I know, it can be lawful. Depends on what kind of software they have. As far as I know, there's nothing wrong with computer software unless the software that they're dealing with is something haram or illegal in Islam. In that case, it will be unlawful to participate in Allah knows best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shalom la ilaha ila anta stagfaruka wa tuba li. Resurrection, except after the intercession or shafa'ah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani the people will be standing on the mawqif, the place of gathering, waiting for the judgment to begin, but it would not begin until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to intercede with the great intercession. وَلَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ أُمَّةٌ إِلَّا بَعْدَ دَخُولُ أُمَّتِهِ And no nation, the followers of no Prophet, would enter the paradise until after the entry of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They will be the first Ummah to enter the paradise. No one will enter until after the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of these are the exclusive, the any special favors that have been given to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Also, in point number 70, Imam al-Qudam rahimahullah says, concerning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he is sahib liwa al-hamd. But he is the one, the companion or the owner of the flag of praise, the banner of praise. Wal-maqam al-mahmood and the praiseworthy station, the praiseworthy station. Wal-hawd al-mawrood and the fountain or the pond, the drinking place that the people would come to to drink from to quench their thirst from the thirst of the standing on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. وَهُوَ إِمَامَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَخَطِيبُهُمْ And he is also the Imam, the leader of all prophets and their spokesman, the Khatib, the one who speaks for them. وَصَاحِبْ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ And he is the one who would possess the, their shafa'ah or their intercession. أُمَّتُهُ خَيْرُ الْأُمَمْ And his followers, his ummah or his nation is the best of nations. وَأَصْحَابُهُ خَيْرُ أَصْحَابِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ and his companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they are the best of the companions of any prophet. May Allah's peace be upon them all. And his companions are the best of the companions 
of all prophets. Here, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Taymin, Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him, says, point number one, the best of creation, the best of Allah's creation in front of Allah is al-Rusul, the messengers. The best of creation are the messengers. Then, as-siddiqoon, the truthful, those who are fat, who hasten to testify to the truth of what the Prophet came with. Like Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who was quick to testify and to affirm whatever the Prophet sallallahu informed them of. Then al-Shuhada, the martyrs who died fighting in jihad in the lands, the ranks of the Muslims against the disbelievers. Then al-Salihun, then the righteous. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned these stages or these degrees in his book, in his saying, in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 69, That whoever, whoever obeys Allah and the Messenger, this is the condition for success, whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger. This is the condition for success. Success. Whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, then these will be with those whom Allah's favor is upon. Those whom Allah's favor is upon. From amongst the prophets and the uh, truthful, those who are first and foremost to believe. The martyrs and the righteous. And how excellent are these as companions. Kani the prophets and the uh, truthful the martyrs and the righteous. So the best of all of the creation are the messengers, then the prophets, then the truthful, then the martyrs, then the righteous. And the best of the messengers, the next point the Shaykh says, that the best of the messengers are Ulul Azam, those who had firm yani, uh, determination, who were firmly firm in their determination in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they are five. Nuh salam, Ibrahim salam, Musa salam, and Isa salam, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in these five, Noah and Abraham, Moses, Jesus and Muhammad, may peace be upon them all, they are the five yani, uh, firmly uh, resolved prophets, those who have firm re- re- resolution and determination. And they have been mentioned in two places in the book of Allah. One of them is in Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 7, the saying of Allah Taala, wa And remember when we took the covenant from the prophets, the covenant from the prophets, وَمِنْكَ And from you, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَمُوسَى وَعِيْسَى بِنِ مَرْيَمِ And remember when we took the covenant from the prophets, and from you. Here specifically it's referring to the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Jesus the son of Mary This is the first proof of that these five prophets are the foremost of the prophets and the second is in Surah Al-Shura chapter 42 verse 13 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa that we have legislated or ordained for you as a deen, that which we have ordained for Nuh. وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ 
and that which we have revealed to you, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi and that which we have ordained for Abraham, Moses, and Isa salam. So here again in this ayat, the prophets are mentioned Nuh and Ibrahim and Musa and Isa and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They are Ulul Azm, the firmly resolved prophets. Here, the third point, the Shaykh mentions the best of those five. The best of creation are the messengers and prophets, and the best of them are these five, and the best of those five is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, based on his saying in the authentic hadith, Muttafakun alayhi, reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Ana Sayyid al-Nas yawm al-Qiyamah, that I am the leader or the master of all of humanity on the day of resurrection. And if all of humanity, without exception, he will be the leader or the master of the people. And also another proof the Shaykh mentions of his superiority and preference over the other prophets is the fact that they followed him in prayer on the night of the Mi'raj. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ, Muhammad, when he, went, when he was taken to Jerusalem in the night journey, he led the prophets and messengers in prayer as their leader. This is the proof of his superiority and preference over the others. Then, after him, of those five, the second Preferable of them is Ibrahim السلام, because he is the father of prophets and his being or his creed it is the origin or the or the yani, asal of all of the creeds. Yani Ibrahim السلام, is considered the father of monotheism, the father of Tawheed. He was the one who established the Tawheed and all the other the others came in his line. Then Musa السلام, because he is the best of the prophets of Bani Israel and his law, his Sharia, it was the basis or the source of the laws of the other prophets of Bani Israel who came after him. And then Nuh and Isa, Noah and Jesus, السلام, they, the Shaykh says that there is no يعني, firm uh, proofs of the preference of which of them is preferable over the other, both of them have special characteristics. So here, the summary of this point is that the best of the five uh, special prophets, Ulul Al-Azm, they are, it is Muhammad وسلم, and then Ibrahim السلام, and then Musa السلام, and then between the two, Nuh and Isa, he didn't make any preference. Here the Shaykh uh, says in the end of his commentary concerning this point, the Khafaif of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, or the special characteristics that Al-Imam Ibn Qudama has mentioned and there are more than this but the ones that he mentioned in the text of the book here the Shaykh mentions the proofs for each of these special characteristics of the Prophet Muhammad he has many special characteristics but those with the, which the author has mentioned the first of them is Khatim al Nabiyin, that he is the seal of the Prophets and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ahzab chapter 33 verse 40 مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ That Muhammad وسلم, he is not the father of any of your men but he is the messenger of Allah and he is the Khatim al-Nabiyin, the seal of the Prophet. As far as him being the master or the leader of the messengers, the proof of this was mentioned already in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in which he said that he is the master of all of humanity on the day of resurrection. Also, the third point that the Iman 
of no one would be correct or accepted or complete until they believe in the message or the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu <coughs> And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 65. فَلَا وَرَبِّكْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ He said, I swear by your Lord. No, I swear by your Lord. <coughs> لا يؤمنون. No one will believe until they make you a judge in what is between them. So here, no, the iman of every person is uh, based upon or subject to them accepting the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as the final judge. Also, uh, the fact that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, has been sent to the whole of humanity while the other Prophets, every one of them was sent to a particular people everyone sent only to their own people while he was sent to all of humanity the point number four that the judging between the people will not, not take place until the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, we already mentioned this under the subject of al-shafa'ah the al-shafa'ah al-uzma, the great intercession point number five uh, that his followers, his ummah, would be the first ones to enter the paradise and this is based on the generality of the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the hadith which we mentioned previously in the lecture last week نَحْنُ الْآخِرُونَ السَّابِقُونَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ that we are the last nation who yani, was sent to the earth but we are the first on the day of resurrection yani, we will be the first people and we will be in the front lines of the people on the day of resurrection also concerning the fact that he is the one who would have the banner or the flag of Alhamd, Liwa Alhamd, uh, he would be carrying the banner of praise on Yom Qiyamah, uh, and all of the people who praise would be under his banner. This is based on the hadith reported in At-Tirmidhi, and it is an authentic hadith, part of it is also reported in the Sahih of Muslim on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu but the whole of this hadith it's sahih the complete narration of it is reported in the Sunnah of the Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Sa'id al-Qudri that the Prophet sallallahu said ana sayyid sayyid waladi adam yawm al-qiyamah wala fakr that I am the master of all of the children of Adam on the day of resurrection the master of them all and I am not saying this out of pride وَبِيَدِي لِوَا الْحَمْدِ And in my hand will be the flag or the banner of praise وَلَا فَقْرُ And this is something, a statement not set out of pride or boasting وَمَا مِن نَبِيٍ يَوْمَئِذٍ آدَمْ فَمَنْ سِوَاهُ إِلَّا تَحْتَ لِوَائِ And there would be no prophet on that day including Adam as well as the other prophets besides him except that they would be under my flag and this hadith is also a proof that Adam is the Prophet. He said there is no Prophet, not Adam or anyone besides him, except they would be under my banner. That means all of the Prophets would be under this banner, Liwa al-Hamd, the banner of praise that would be carried by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And I am the first one that the earth would be opened up for coming out on the resurrection and this is not said out of pride. This hadith is Sahih. And it was mentioned by a number of scholars, and part of it is recorded in the Sahih of Muslim with the wording, "Ana Sayyid Waladi Adam Yom Qiyamah wa Awwal Man Yanshak Anhu Al Qabr wa Awwal Shafi'in wa Awwal Mushafa." That I am the master of all of the children of Adam on the day of resurrection. I am the first one that will be the grave will be opened up for, and I am the first one who would 
uh, intercede and who intercession will be allowed for. And the point number seven, that he is the one who owns or will be the possessor of Al-Maqam Al-Mahmood, the praiseworthy station or praiseworthy status, it means that it is the works or the deeds for which he would be praised by the Creator, Al-Khalif, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as the makhluk, all of creation, they would praise him for his deeds. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 79, That perhaps it may be, and it is in fact the reality, that you will be raised up, that your Lord will raise you up to this praiseworthy Station, Maqam and Mahmuda, it is the station of praise and glory. Some, some of the scholars said that one of its meaning is that he would have the highest degree in paradise, as recorded in the authentic hadith from the Prophet And one of them said, in some of the hadith, it mentions that this Maqam Mahmud, it means the status of being the only one who would be allowed to intercede for the people at the time when they are standing waiting for the judgment to begin. And hadith concerning both of these are reported authentically uh, in the Sahih. Uh, <coughs> In this high status or special station for the Prophet it is due to all of the special characteristics and favors that he will be given on Yom Qiyamah, including the intercession for the people at the time when they are waiting for the judgment to begin. In the eighth point he said that he is the one who would have Al-Hawd Al-Mawrood, yani the fountain or the pond or the drinking place to which many, many, many people would come, all of his ummah would come to it. And the meaning here is that it is a great big haut with many many people coming to it. As for uh, the mention of a haut, simply, it, it, it has, we, we mentioned previously when Al-Imam Al-Qadam mentioned the haut, that there is a haut or a fountain or a drinking place for every one of the prophets. But here the meaning of it, it means the great fountain or pond or pool or drinking place which would be greater than the fountain of all of the other prophets. More people will come to it and it would be the fountain from which if anyone drunk they would never be thirsty again. Its water would flow from the river in paradise, Al-Khawfar and so on which we mentioned in detail when we talked about the matter of Al-Hawd. Uh, the next point is that he would be the Imam of the Prophets, their spokesman and, their, and the possessor of their intercession and this is based on a hadith reported by Ubayy ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ كُنْتُ إِمَامَ النَّبِيِّينَ On the day of resurrection I would be the Imam of the Prophets وَخَطِيبُهُمْ and their spokesman وَصَاحِبْ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ and the one who possessed the intercession and this is not out of boastfulness. This hadith is reported in the Sunnah of Tirmidhi who said that it was Hassan and it's also reported by Imam Ahmed in the Mustadrak of Al-Hakam, the Sunnah of Ibn Majah and Al-Hakam said that the Ifnad or chain of narrative of this, of this hadith is Sahih and Al-Imam Al-Zahabi rahimahullah agreed with him. And of the contemporary scholars, Shaykh Al-Bani rahimahullah also said that this hadith is Hassan. The final point of the characteristics, special characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ is that his ummah would be the best of the nations and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 110 كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ that you are the best ummah that have been raised up for the people out of all the previous nations of the prophets of the past you are the best of, of nations and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reason why in the continuation of that ayat uh, he said 
it is because ta'muruna bil ma'ruf wa tanhawna 'anil munkar wa tu'minuna billah it is because of commanding the good forbidding the wrong and having iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last proof of this is the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 47 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya bani israel udhkuru ni'mati allati an'amtu alaykum wa anni faddaltukum 'ala al-'alamin the shaykh says as for this ayat O Bani Israel, O children of Israel, mention my favor which I have favored you with, that I have given you preference over all of the nations. He said that this ayat, it means that they have been given preference over all of the nations in their time, and in the past. Also after their time, the preference has been given to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the end of what we want to say. Uh, before closing, just the questions at the end of the handout that you should look at are the paradise and the hellfire already existing or to be created in the future? The paradise and the hellfire are already existing. Will either paradise or hellfire cease to exist at some time in the future? Neither of them will cease to exist, but they are eternal. Who are the people of paradise and who are the people of hellfire? The people of paradise are the people of Iman and Taqwa, the awliya of Allah the people who obey Allah and do good deeds and the people of the hellfire are the disbelievers, the pagan disbelievers, the wretched people who disobey him. Will al-maut or death seek to, cease to exist at some time in the future and explain? Um, death, death will definitely cease to exist and it will cease to exist when? At the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it form in the shape of a ram and place it between the paradise and the hellfire and it will be slaughtered, it will be put to death and it will be announced to the people of paradise and the people of hellfire that there is now khulud, eternity, walamaut, and there will be no more death. Mention some of the khasayas or distinctions of the Prophet ﷺ in his ummah, and there are many amongst them that he is the imam of the prophets and the leader of the messengers, and he is the one who would have the liwa al-hamd, the banner of praise, uh, and so on. From amongst those characteristics which we just mentioned. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka. If there any comments or questions or corrections after the event, inshallah, take five minutes. No? We can't find the case. Inshallah, sisters, please uh, remember to take attendance, those who are present. No, I'm stopping. No, how long will the Day of Judgment last? <laughs> well, no. The time frame in the next life, obviously, is not the same time frame that we are dealing with now. Uh, but the important thing, there are some proofs that the actual judgment itself, the judging of the people's deeds, though it may be an, an uh, unimaginable number of people from the first to the last, from the first people who came on this earth until the last day, but there are proofs that this judgment will take place so quickly يعني, that you can hardly imagine that it had actually taken place. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His actions will not yani, be subjected to the framework of the actions of the human beings and the time frame in the next life also will not be like the time frame of now. 
as, as for the standing, waiting for the judgment, it will be some time. How long it will be, I'm not aware that there's any indication, but from the descriptions and the various hadith and the descriptions in the Quran of how the day of resurrection will be, we know that it will be a frightful time and, uh, no, I think he has. We know that it will be a frightful time and it will be, it will seem as though it's very long due to the fight and horror of the day. But actually how long it will be, there doesn't appear to be any actual indication of it, Allahu Alam. But in any case, all of these things will take place uh, rapidly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of yani, disposing of these matters quickly and easily without any time-consuming factor. Now, what is the difference between Nabi or Rasul? Allahu Alam. Some of the scholars have many opinions concerning the difference between Nabi and Rasul. And amongst those opinions, some of them said that a Nabi, a Prophet, is the one who uh, followed the legislation of the Sharia of a previous uh, Prophet who came before him. And uh, some said that the difference is that uh, a Nabi receives revelation, but is not, nece- not necessarily commissioned to deliver it, whereas the messenger is sent to deliver the message to the people. Uh, the opinions of the scholars concerning this actually don't have any clear distinctive basis in the Qur'an or Sunnah and for this reason some of the scholars said that those various opinions are ijtihad of the scholars but the clear distinction between a prophet and a messenger uh, is not, um, yani, not something that we can say with certainty at least uh, perhaps the closest to being correct and Allah knows best is that, as some of the scholars said, that uh, whoever received the revelation is considered to be a prophet. But they may not necessarily have been sent to any nation. Therefore, they may not be considered as a messenger. Whereas everyone who is sent out to a nation to deliver a message has two characteristics. One, receiving revelation, nubuwa, and also being sent to a people, risala, and so some of the scholars said that the Rasul is more comprehensive. Every uh, Rasul is also a prophet. But not every prophet is also a Rasul. This is the opinion of some of the scholars. Perhaps it's closer than the other opinions, but it's not necessarily yani, conclusive. Yani, everyone who received the revelation, uh, who received the revelation is considered a prophet. That's Nubuwa. Naba, he received news, information from Allah. But as for the one who is sent out to a nation, this is Risala, Rasul or Messenger. Uh, this is a second characteristic. And yani receiving some revelation and then being called upon to deliver it. So that every messenger is already a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. This is one of the opinions. As I said, there doesn't seem to be any really strong, clear decisive or conclusive proof concerning these opinions, Allah knows best. Now, oh, question from the sisters. Uh, what is the ruling about computer software company shares? Shares. Allah, I don't know anything about computer software company shares, but I imagine if it's a computer company that's uh, dealing with lawful things, then having shares in it is lawful. If it's dealing in haram things, then having shares in it is haram. 
Yani doing business, having shares in a business, it's lawful. But it depends on what the business, what they're doing in the business. Software, computer software, as far as I know, it can be lawful. Depends on what kind of software they have. As far as I know, there's nothing wrong with computer software, unless the software that they're dealing with is something haram or illegal in Islam. In that case, it will be unlawful to participate in Allah's best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shalom la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa tuba